At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. If we sound bored with the fact that we just did that, it was because we did just do that, and we recorded a good two minutes of the show before I hit the record button, so we had to start it all over again. And so this is the second time we've done this. Go check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibConTim. Matt, Tim is at LibConTim. Uh, you can uh, go rate us in the iTunes store, the, the Google Play store, the, the Stitcher place, and, and, and say whatever you like about us. Uh, we were discussing the previous time around that we, we got our first negative review uh, from right in the iTunes store. We got two. One was from our mom, who was awesome because she's awesome. And uh, and and, thanks, and the other was from this. this yeah, thanks, mom. Uh, from this person who, uh, well, again, I'm going to point out that you're not a real conservative. I get that a lot. It's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know it's okay, and 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 we're and we're and I'm fine with it. But uh, he, they did not feel as though we were well researched enough. They, they, I think they feel as though we have promise, like we could be good, we we could be contenders, but we're 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 not right now. So well, that's neat. Uh, I appreciate the idea that we we could be we could be something one day. We could be some. It's you know yeah. So but you know but you know what I can I can get behind that. In in our defense, I would say that we've had we've we've been trying to cover a lot in these last couple of shows just because there's been some time. We're we're bouncing around a lot, so we'll we'll, we'll tr- but we'll try to do better with the research thing. Hang with us, you know. Maybe you'll go back and give us like three or four stars instead of just two. So I mean that's that's the thing. They gave us two stars, not just not just like one. Not like you guys blow. So that's a start. How many anyway, can we get? Is it five? This five. This is on a scale of one to five. Scale so. of one to five. Okay, so two out of five. So you have not. So you have not. You have not. You have not rated us. I haven't done this either. That feels sick, fantastic, and weird, uh, and and like cheating. I, I know. I, I have not. I have not rated us. Uh, but I am okay. now intimately fascinated and can't wait to go see the truth. This is this is this might be our first bad review on the on, on this. But I, I do read a. Um, uh, that we got, a, I got a similar we've, rating. We've got another bad review. So well, no, I, I just, I don't know of a bad review, but, but just a, you know, another that I'm, I'm not a real conservative. Um, and, and that's, yeah, we had that, we had that guy who long time ago, like not, not that long after we started, who voiced his displeasure. He, he was not for, he was not one for the spelling or the complete sentences as I recall. Okay. No, no. Okay. I'm just looking at the review just now. I like this review. I, I like it. Yeah, no, let's, I, I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not offended. Because he's right. Because that's what, one thing that drives me, and I actually was going to comment on this. Like the thing that drives me nuts in trying to research a lot of our stuff is, is the difficulty of finding the actual meat of things to, to dive into it and see what the truth is. Um, you know, not to jump ahead, but let's, let's jump ahead to the, the last thing on the agenda. If that's okay. This HR one corruptions bill. Uh, that mean you were wait. Who's driving this train? Is it is your job? job? But it just it, it just goes along with with what the the gentleman's talking about, <laughs> right? Because because you Fair. mentioned you know you, you tossed in that HR one sort of at the at the at the end there, and I did, yeah. And I'm, I meant to include that. I've been stewing on that all week, and I told yeah, no, and no worries. Right up until right up until twenty right. minutes before the show. So started. I mean, I've got time to go through, and I read Mitch McConnell's 
uh, opinion on the HR one corruption bill, and then you know, you know more about the bill. So why don't you explain the bill first, real quick, and then and then I'll connect it back to the to this gentleman. Go for it. Well, I mean, I I think that I think the high points of the thing are that uh, the the big things that that a lot of the people in the press have seized on that are definitely in there is that it's going to require super PACs uh, and political organizations to make their uh, make donations public. Uh, voluntary public finance, campaign financing, trying to make the uh, make election day a holiday for federal employees and to encourage the private sector businesses to do the same thing. Something I've been talking about for years. Why the hell election day is not a national holiday? I don't have a friggin' clue. Um, uh, stricter lobbying re- registration uh, requirements, uh, requiring of uh, presidential and vice presidential campaigns to disclose tax returns. Obviously, that's a response to to Trump. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and I mean, there's a number of other things in there. One of them is, uh, trying to make the, uh, federal elections commission, uh, governed by five commissioners instead of six, I think so that it, uh, now their idea is to reduce gridlock or to lock down tie votes, right? Because if you've got an even number of people, then it makes it easier for things to just kind of get stuck. Um, but, uh, McConnell doesn't, McConnell doesn't like any of it. McConnell basically went off on this and said that this is, this is a gigantic power grab by the Democrats and blah, 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 blah. The thing about it, the thing, what, what he said, the, the line that he said that, that really pissed me off that absolutely, uh, I mean, the entire, his, his entire little op-ed thing that he wrote was just bullshit. But the, the thing that, uh, that really set me off. Um, was he, he was on the, uh, the Senate floor railing about this because not, it wasn't enough to just do the damn op-ed. He had to go give like two or three speeches, I think about this bill in, uh, uh, on the Senate floor. Uh, and specifically he went after the federal holiday and this is, and I quote, just what America needs another paid holiday and a bunch of government workers being paid to go out and work on democratic campaigns. This is the Democrat plan to restore democracy, a power grab. Really? Really? I mean, I'm sorry. You talk about, you give me like, you talk about Republicans and being all flag wavy. And you know what? I can think of no better way than to handle to kill two birds with one stone one people bitch all the time that nobody gives off uh veterans day all right fine so you take veterans day and you make veterans day the first tuesday of every november instead of this floating veterans day holiday that way every time we celebrate our veterans every time we have a veterans day ceremony we go vote because i can't think of a better way to celebrate the sacrifices made by the people who have defended this country for decades, two centuries at this point, to celebrate them by exercising our right to vote. And there is nothing cynical or power grab about that at all. No, well, yeah. and, and that's... I was really and, and so no, and so this. And that, and you know, the things that you're saying make sense. Um, and, but what, and what I was highlighting, you know, when you, when you sent those things to me was that, you know, look, you know, I've, I, I had time to read... Uh, Mitch McConnell's op-ed and I had time to read Vox's article but I was telling you before the show that look I'm not going to be able to give much wisdom because I can't I didn't have time to read the actual HR1 corruption bill and so because obviously what Mitch McConnell is seeing on there is way different from what Vox is seeing in there and there's no way for me to really know or speak intelligently about what the truth is 
until I actually read that bill for myself. You know, like I can sit down and I can and I, I can talk to you about the the, the Green New Deal resolution because I, I've sat and I've read the Green New Deal resolution. But if I was having to go off of just the little blurbs that I was catching on Fox, which I watched a couple of their things, I was like, wait, that's that's not even in the thing anymore. What what are they even talking about? And then other things that uh, on the left that make vast claims about how they're going to do this or going to do that and. It, it just doesn't give you enough detail for you to be able to speak intelligently uh, about either thing. Uh, and that's an issue with the the shutdown bill that we're going to discuss, right? The You try to dive into the, 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 the real information in there and everyone's just sort of throwing out the same two things. Well, the Democrats got, you know, a limit on the beds or well, the Republicans got the more beds than they had had before but not quite as many as they had hoped. And uh, Trump didn't get as much money for the wall as he wanted. And that's it. And this entire enormous, um, a fairly large bill, which was almost impossible to find the actual uh, real meat of everything that was in there. So that, you know, the the lack of research thing is um, an understandable concern and a a giant frustration for me as someone who works really hard to be a a well-read uh, knowledgeable citizen, but when the vast majority of news media is just spouting a couple of points and then, you know, giving their opinion on it, it's tough. Um, and I will endeavor to be a well, better I mean, person, uh, a better spokesperson in the future. But not necessarily. Well, I'm not a Republican anymore, right? So I'm gonna. You know, when I, when I run, when I, you know, when I run 2020, you know, it'll be conservative Christian Democrat. Um, cause, cause yeah, that's well, and that's the thing, right? Because my, my argument would be that the Republican party has, has, has vacated the conservative movement that it has, it has gone in a direction that is not in keeping with conservative values. And if I have to sit and try to find where conservative values live, there, there's not, a real home for us anymore. Uh, but I, I find more of them at home, at least uh, with president Obama's version of the democratic party. Now, unfortunately the democratic party starting to, it's starting to move. It's on the move. Right. So I'm a little worried that as I come up on my first democratic primary, I'm going to feel the same way that I felt in the Republican primaries that I'm sitting here voting for the, the Huntsman's and the Kasich's and everyone else is voting for the, the Trump or in the democratic version, the Bernie Sanders. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's early. It's really, and that's why I haven't included anything really election related yet. The one person that I'm looking at and that I think you probably ought to look at too, would be, uh, Amy. Klobuchar. I, I cannot, I something. I, I have looked at her. The economist has a Clo- lovely Clo- article. Klobuchar. I don't know. I I do not know. I, I know that the, the far left wing of the democratic party hates her. They're not happy with her, but I, I read a a very interesting op-ed by someone who, who is a, a Bernie Sanders AOC person through and through who confesses that if there's anybody that the left wing, far left wing of the party should be worried about it's her. Um, because she's the one that could really get, you know, uh, could really get the centrist wing and, and, and could potentially clip off Republicans like you 
in a or conservatives like you in a general. If there's anybody, well, and once it, again, it's, it's you know, will will the Democrats make the smart move? You know, Republicans didn't make the smart move in 2012, right? If we were going to make the smart move, we would have we would have put in John Huntsman uh, because he's the one who had the best chance of actually defeating President Obama. So we'll see if the Democrats are able to make the smart move. Um, and the the Economist had a nice article. Yeah, I don't know. You know, we're just going to have to see. Because, the, and the, did they? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. I don't. I don't. I don't want to go too far. Gotcha. Into I'm sorry. Take back the show. Go yet. for it. I, apologies. I, I grabbed and I ran. My, God, I'm sorry. No. No. I mean, but you're right. No. 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 You're 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 right about that. But uh, but I would I would ask you this. So the reason I gave you the Vox article and for those out there, I, I what what we do at the beginning of this is like generally one of us will do and it, it, it's been me a lot of the time but you know tim's been tim tim's been helping out you know with with doing some agendas lately and 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 i will include the best links that i've seen on what our topics are that i've seen and of course tim will do his own research and 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 go for it and i i gave you that box article in hr1 because that's the one that I'll go through and I'll read four or five different articles on the same topic from different sources. I'll, I will read one from Fox News. I'll read something from the Daily Beast or from Vox, uh, CNN, possibly the New York Times, failing New York Times, uh, and you know maybe a local paper or something like that. And then if I can find the one that has the most common threads with all of them, and, and even the Fox News article basically made the same points that this is what HR1 is about. Now, their spin was different. Um, but the basic points of the bill were about what's in HR one. So if you look at the base facts of it and to say, okay, this is going to, uh, require super PACs to make their donors public, uh, voluntarily, uh, set up a voluntary option for public campaign finance, tax returns for 10 years for presidential and vice presidential candidates, uh, stricter lobbying registration requirements. Nonpartisan redistricting commissions to end partisan gerrymandering and make the election day a federal holiday and to make this five out of six on the on the federal elections commission. All of these things make good sense to me. And they're all things that, frankly, should have been done a long time ago. And I don't see them in any way really as weighted to uh, weighted by a. you know, to, to, to the Democrats, apart from the fact that if you make the election day a federal holiday, more people are going to vote. Mitch McConnell knows that if more people vote, he don't lose. It, it is worrying that I've actually have heard Republicans admit to that. Um, yeah. No, which, yeah, which is they totally have. Now, and I agree with, and so, so unfortunately the, the bill doesn't just have, and Election Day is a federal holiday. My understanding from reading both the Vox and Mitch McConnell's was that it was they got that election day, but then also some other paid like six other days of paid leave or something like there was additional stuff thrown in. Don't don't throw in the additional stuff. Just make it that because Election Day should be right. Everything should shut down on Election Day. I nothing would please me more than to see a a ban on the running of any non-emergency business. So unless you are a hospital or police department, you are closed. No restaurants, no shopping malls, no nothing is allowed to be open until one o'clock on election day. Um, so that people would have the right, yeah, the ability to vote. Because if we can't just yeah. move it to a Saturday, because that makes well, sense to just move it to a bloody thing. Saturday. Well, if but, we can't do that, 
then 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 shut everything down for the first half of the day. Well, but that's 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 it not, is not the point that McConnell made it though. McConnell's but the you know if McConnell had made the point of you know what guys you added all these extra things let's take those out and then I'm okay with it then all right fine I can I can get behind that no McConnell had to be just what America needs another paid holiday and a bunch of government workers being yeah. paid to go work out for the Democrats how do you know for all you know some of that that may that may go out and bring a whole bunch of government workers who want to go work for the Republicans yeah no it, it, yeah sarcasm oh, is wait, frustrating sorry I, I didn't like his t- I, I certainly didn't like his tone. Right. I mean, I, I guess I haven't read the bill, so I can't speak to it too extensively, but I certainly did not like his tone. I, I don't enjoy sarcasm about the other party. Um, now, I will say this. He's a I, douche. Oh, wait, is that sarcasm yeah, about the other um, party? My bad. I, I don't know how I feel about the idea of going down to a five-person thing because that, that does worry me from a partisan standpoint, Right. Uh, I, part of me feels like, no, the solution is not to, you know, it's the same reason as why the executive is grabbing more and more power because we can't get Congress to function and talk things out. So they hand over control to a president who can just rule by fiat all of a sudden. Um, well, not all of a sudden, right? It's been, it's been growing well, in that direction. Totally fair. So rather yeah. than saying that the you know, okay, federal no federal election commission is three and three, and they have to start talking and figuring things out. Okay, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to make it to where it's you know a three to two, so that whichever party happens to have the most control is able to get their way. I, I'm not comfortable with that. Fine, yeah, that's fine. Right. Take that one Good. out. Problem solved. Take Good that way. one out. Do some of that because because that's that's the thing. That's what happens. That's what's supposed to happen in these bills, right? McConnell just goes in and says this blanket thing about how this is a, the whole thing is a power grab, so we need to throw the whole thing out. Why not look at it and go, you know, okay, so we like it because this supposed again, this is how this works. People put out a bill supposed to work. You go, okay, well, you know what? You missed on three out of the ten things that you got here. Can you lose these three? No, all right, well, fine. We'll throw this one thing in, take out these other two. You good with that? All right, cool. Then we'll go ahead and do a vote on it. That's that's the way that this is supposed to work. But no, it's a blanket thing. We need to demonize HR1 as, as, as wholly bad. We need to demonize the Green New Deal as wholly and entirely bad. And, you know, a, a, de- not, a demonization you know, that, you know, unfortunately whatever. goes, goes anyway. both sides. I, I, I see plenty of demonization on the other end. Well, but Tim, it's not, I'm Tim, I'm Tim. Yeah. But Tim, I'm not absolutely you know not. That, absolutely that doesn't not. make it. Okay. Just speaking up for the conservative. Because that's, that, a lot of time <laughs> that's, that's getting to be a response. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm sorry. I know it's hard to get that. You'll get that chip out of there <laughs> these days, but you know, that's going to take surgery. But the, the point is, is that that's, you know, I, yeah, never mind. We're going to build a wall, right? We well, again, apparently, and, and, and apparently by presidential fiat, right? So because gonna, our Congress can't, function um, yeah. well enough and so we we happily hand over responsibility to the president so i i feel like i, I got the i get the impression that you read quite a bit of what's in what's in this thing so our our what's in the the what's in the budget what the hell made it in what they're doing well so well again right like I, the, the, what i was highlighting was the difficulty of even finding normally i'm at least able to find like the text of a the text of a bill 
Um, but I actually had a hard time finding this one. I don't know if there, there's a reason for that. If there, I, I got nothing. So I, I don't have, you know, the, all the information that I would like. Certainly in the things that I read about, I didn't see anything that I felt was really addressing um, the, the most important issues. You know, so what, what I what I did see were that he's getting, they're getting 1.37 for border fencing and that there's a lot of rules about how that fencing is allowed to be used. That money is not allowed to be put into uh, protected uh, environmental areas. Um, then I think the number of beds was currently at like for detention was at like 16,000 and Democrats had wanted it at 35, but it's going to be at 40 or something, something along those lines. So about 40,000. Um, there's money for improving um, the humanitarian situations for better being able to house families and that sort of thing. Um, there's money for cyber tracking and security. But, but what I didn't see is what, what I feel like would really make a difference, which is more processing officers so they can move the line faster so because what you're getting is okay no one we don't want anyone crossing illegally in fact if you cross illegally it's up in the air whether or not you're gonna be allowed to get asylum so now everyone is trying to go through the legal ports of entries and it's creating these massive month-long two-month-long three-month-long lines in which people are scared to get out of the line because they don't want to lose their place so it's creating, you know, a horrible sanitation and humanitarian crisis. So what makes the most sense? Months, two yeah, and three months long lines. Well, really, I, mean, I haven't you know, seen that part. NPR. So I'm assuming. Good lord, that makes it makes it makes it makes it makes makes. I did hear that. NPR. My son, there's you nothing I can do. NPR. My son will be a liberal. There's no way around it because I listen to NPR with him every morning in the car. So it's his his fate is sealed. I will not pass on my conservatism. It looks like. Well, hey, again, that's true. Going back to our mother, our mom did that. That I, 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 I still fly every time I hear the dun 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 dun, you know, whatever the dun 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 that mm. thing at the four o'clock, uh, the, the all things considered thing, about four or five o'clock. I start nice, to go into like awesome. flashbacks. But the, so space. that's so okay. one of the things that would actually improve things: um, more processing officers in order to get people through the line faster, and two, immigration judges. Don't right. don't send you know uh, the military down there, you know send send in a whole fleet of, of, of immigration judges so that we can actually get through this backlog of cases because that's that's the whole thing that happens with asylum. People come in, they claim asylum, and then they disappear. That's the issue. And so if you could get enough judges down there so that you could people could come in, they could apply, their case get heard. They're in or they're out. That's what makes the most sense to me. But I didn't see that in any of it. And they made a big deal out of that. This was just addressing border security, which is enormously frustrating for me because, and I said this in the last show, so I'll stop here. But it's enormously frustrating for me because this is a big, giant issue with all moving parts that affect each other and you can't just narrow down to one thing border security of oh we're going to plop down a wall or oh we're not going to let them have as many beds and voila everything's going to be fixed it just doesn't work that way 
Right. And that and that's that's my bit that's my biggest problem with the talk about the wall. You know, because he talks about the wall and all these people talk about the, you know, the wall and MAGA and grr, you know, and that that as though that's the solution. All we gotta do all we gotta do to keep the brown people out, we just we just put up a big wall. Like right down here, down around El Paso, a big wall. And no more brown people. And then we'll all have jobs again. And it'll be fine. And which is 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 just it's it's stupid. It's just stupid. It's that is not the way that the idea that that alone will take care of everything is 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 just so ridiculous as to be in as, as to just be idiotic. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. And the idea that anybody uh, that 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 is is working on this is willing to push that narrative blows me away. You, you, that, that you, you have so many other things as you put it, all these other moving parts that if you would just sit down and look at the logistics of all of these things, and instead of shouting about fake news numbers and, ah, you know, and, and try to address this in a real realistic fashion, instead of just demonizing the entire process, as though ice and walls will take care of the entire problem, you're not going to get anything done. And none of this is going to matter because at the end of the day, he's going to have gotten Correct. about one point. What do you say? 1.37 billion to do this. They might get a few more sections up. This national emergency bullshit is not going to no. hold up. There's no way. And even if it does, they, they don't, he did. No one wants this, but him except to prove that he's done something. Because this is all about balls for him, and that's it. And it's not. The, I mean, the precedent that this sets, if it works, is so incredibly dangerous that I, I surely to God, it's not going to go. Because I don't want that. Now, I mean, because everybody's net is is totally right. The next Democratic president could declare a, a national national emergency on on climate change, guns, any of these things, if this works. And that's not a good no, thing. It, it's a horrible thing. And this is where so, I think my true conservativeness is going to come out. And, and but I, I, I may not be because like I mean, Mitch McConnell is going along with this national declaration of emergency. Our president is going. So all the leading Republicans are falling in line behind this. So I, I guess that means. Well, and understand McConnell is doing this. Let I me mean, let's let's just be clear because we're going to get into this when we talk about the Green New Deal. Mitch McConnell is demon spawn that he is does not care about whether or not it's right for the country. He cares about whether or not it is right for winning the game. And he thinks that he can win the game, that he would, he doesn't necessarily think that he'll win the game by backing it, but he knows damn good and well that he would have been in the midst of another shutdown, responsible for another shutdown, and that he would have lost because they lost the last one because they always lose them when they shut it down. And this is a not, he has no interest in what's right for anyone apart from winning the game. And that's what this is about for him. <laughs> not quite ready to, don't forget. Uh, I don't know. Not quite ready to demon spawn him just yet. But like, I, 
You are absolutely correct. So moving away from is a wall the right thing to do, right? Because I've said before, hey, if the wall is part of a large immigration bill and we're fixing a lot of things, the wall is part of that. Hey, okay, sure. I'll take it, whatever. But looking just at this idea of declaring a national emergency, because I've heard a lot of folks who have thrown out there, well, presidents declared a national emergency for, you know, helping in Libya. Presidents declared a national emergency in this situation or that situation. This one is, I feel, is completely different because this is Congress made a decision about how much money should go towards a wall. And the president is decided, no, I am not going to listen to what you are saying on this this exact situation and how much money you are allotting for this. And I'm going to declare a national emergency to just do an end run around you. And I think that is an incredibly dangerous precedent. And now, unfortunately, right, it's 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 growing on previous ones. Right. So this starts with President Bush and his expansion of executive powers. And then President Obama won up to that with how he handled DACA and how he handled Obamacare. And now President Trump is taking it one further and going directly over the head of Congress. And all of this comes down to Congress's inability to function and their inability to work together as a group to get things done. So we're handing things off to the president. And now, rather than Congress standing up and defending the Constitution and saying, no, that is not how this works, and we will vote to override your national emergency, and when you veto that, we're going to override your veto, we're now turning to the courts and asking the courts to make the decision for us. And that's what's leading to the weaponization and partisanship of the courts. This is, this is when we start talking about how our very fundamental institutions are starting to decay. And we have to stand up against it. And I please, true conservatives, stand up with me on this. This is not the way that small government is supposed to work. No, it's not. And I, I'm, I'm with you a little bit on the DACA. What do you mean Obamacare? What did, what did Obamacare have to do with declare with expanding the executive Obamacare was a bill well so first off it, it it played on so you've got you've got the initial Obamacare aspect right and just the idea of that it wasn't passed with any sort of bipartisanship right this was Democrats had control and so they pushed it all through in their way that has nothing to do um, with the but then once Obamacare is in place you had President Obama, without consulting Congress, changing parts of it. Uh, the biggest, the biggest one was his delaying the enforcement of the the mandate. So you had it in the bill one way that okay, the mandate goes into effect at this time. If you don't do it, then you're gonna have to pay these amounts. And then, without consulting Congress, without having Congress change the bill, he changed it himself and delayed enforcing that mandate which was a crucial part of the whole bill and then it starts to crumble i'm going to draw a line with you from there all the way to to getting rid of a you know i don't know the the national the declaring a national emergency i I don't i don't know that i don't know that there's a straight line in that 
now i i think it, i think you're seeing one-upmanship it's just going the president is accumulating more and more and i don't more know power. i think this is i think this I, is a lot of this is about i'm sorry dude i think a lot of this is about conservatives being scared that they're getting run out that they're getting run out run out on their ass and i think that finding ways to expand their power has been they have been going out of their way. This entire party for the last 10 years has been going out of their way ever since they got their ass handed to them in 2008. Because let's be honest with you, if they had a 60-40 majority in 2008 the same way that Democrats did, that 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 was the moment that really scared the shit out of Mitch McConnell and his people. Because if they had ever got, which they haven't in my lifetime, they haven't gotten a 60-40 majority like that in the Senate. And if they had ever gotten anything like that, they'd have done the same damn thing and running through whatever bills they could run through. So that's the fact that they ran that through has nothing to do with the expansion of the executive. The people that are always talking about, well, maybe we should abolish the Supreme Court. No, that came from people like Mike Huckabee. That came from people like Bobby Jindal. That came from who was a sitting governor at the time when the, quote, activist court was putting through things that they didn't rule, that they didn't like. During the during the Obama years, they just thought, well, maybe we should just get rid of the Supreme Court. Maybe we shouldn't have it anymore because it's not doing what we want. They've been eroding state governments all over the country for the last four or five years, and and uh, strictly to make sure that they maintain power, they stripped the governor here in North Carolina of as many powers as they could at the last second to make sure that the governor was weaker because he didn't agree and was not of the same party as the people running the house. They did the same thing to the whoever, well, I don't remember the name of the person who beat Scott Walker. Scott Walker signed all of this crap in to strip away the power from the governor's office just because they lost. I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to argue that those things, like those actions were bad actions. And, but, but I it, but nor it, do I think that you can that, just that's, lay me, everything at the feet of the conservatives. Than, why? I don't see Democrats doing this. I, I just went over examples of how Democrats did do this. You, so you get you gave me and, you but, gave me and what we can't examples. do is this One this of, back and forth on like oh it was this party who did it oh it was this party who did it well your party did it first well you know what just they just they all they both need to stop stop doing it when you guys get in power when Democrats take power please. Don't just get in there and and force through as many liberal judges as you possibly can. Well, but that's can. part of what. But I mean, part of what HR one, what they're trying to do is to make things nonpartisan again. The redistricting thing, where to get rid of the gerrymandering and to make that nonpartisan, uh, to enforce lobbying registration and uh, uh, super into uh, making super PACs public. All of these things that Republicans don't want. They're at least making the effort hey, I am, to get some of these things out there. And to take away some of that partisan power that's out there. And they're facing nothing but resistance. I mean, everybody knows that's not going to go through. They could pass that tomorrow. It's not going to make it past the Senate. Because they won't do anything about it. I mean, that's, 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 that's the problem is that none of these people, I mean, we talk about it and you always bring it back to, there's got to be some way that the Democrats are, are at least in some way at fault. But right now, all of the things that we're talking about, the North Carolina government stripping of the North Carolina government governorship, that was the Republican stripping the Wisconsin, Wisconsin people 
the Wisconsin governor of power, that was the Republicans talking about knocking out the Supreme Court when they weren't getting rulings going their way. That was a Republican sitting governor. We're talking about a Republican president and a Republican Congress that will not stand up to that Republican president right now today. So my pointing out, this is not a okay. partisan thing, but my pointing out and saying that right now today, the last few, just in the last six months, these have all been actions of the conservative movement, period. Yes, those have been actions of the conservative movement because conservatives are the ones that are, were in power right now. So I'm begging, please, Democrats, as you start to get power, don't get all super happy and power hungry and enjoying the fact that you have control and start pushing things through that you can't get the other side on board Word. with. Absolutely. So let's let's Run see what happens. Down. Round of applause. I'm going first because this is going to dovetail because when we come back, this is going to dovetail into what we're going to, some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. But because, and the reason I'm going first is because this, 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 this almost brought me to tears. It was, it was one of the best stories I have read in so long round of applause to Benham, Kentucky. Our, the birth where our, our, our father was, was born and where his family is from, where we grew up visiting this lovely, beautiful, amazing coal town in uh, former coal town in, in, in Harlan County, uh, Kentucky. Please don't ask. Yes. The same Harlan County is justified. Um, but they are, uh, they are built, they are adding, they've, they've, they're adding solar panels. They've got solar panels on the roof of the coal museum there. They are going to be getting $200,000, uh, in, and from an energy efficiency program that they're hoping will bring jobs down. Uh, they're going to allow people to upfit their homes for solar energy. And this was done through the entire town coming together to say, we've got to try to figure out how to move forward, how to address the future, how our town can survive. Fuck politics. Fuck all this liberal and conservative crap. Our town needs to work together to survive. And that's what they did. That's what's wrong with coal country right now is because these people are never shown a way to, to stop looking at it as how do we save coal? It's how do we save our, our towns and the places where we want to raise our families and screw coal? How do we find a way to move forward? Whether it's with or without coal, everything's on the table. These people put everything on the table. They work together and it's looking wonderful. And I am so proud of them. So proud. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's really just great. That is great. I love everything that Benham is doing. And, and this isn't the first thing that they've done either. You know, this Benham's also at the forefront of uh, the, the fight over uh, clean water uh, and, and fighting against some of the damage done by, by service. So, yeah. They are, so, yeah, so Benham and Lynch giant rounds of applause to them. And what you see happening in Lynch um, – as well as in Benham and some of the work that they're doing with tourism and trying to do um, things to re-energize the economy over there is fantastic. And they need the support of our state legislature and state executive branch. My round Indeed. of applause uh, goes to Bill Weld. Who you got? Uh, the, the, the former Massachusetts governor. Um, who was a Republican who ran as a uh, libertarian uh, vice president with Gary Johnson. 
uh, who. Yeah, that's the, why these guys I knew that my... name. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was kicking myself all yeah. weekend long trying to remember. No, well, and that's I, you know, I, I voted for Gary Johnson in 2012. Uh, and was a super energized, excited supporter of Gary Johnson and Bill Weld's ticket until Gary Johnson kind of went off the deep end there. Near As soon as he got any sort of real spotlight, his faults really started to shine through. But Bill Weld was always sort of the the, the rock of, the, of that duo. I remember Mitt Romney stating if that party was, if that ticket had been flipped, he would have been on board in a second. Um, so just a giant round of applause to Bill Weld. He's stepped forward to say he will, uh, more than likely be making a Republican challenge, uh, to president Trump in the primary. Um, I mean, it's highly unlikely he would win, but we need someone from the, what I feel as the legitimate conservative, uh, wing of the party to step forward and say that the this presidency is not representative of Republican ideals. So round of applause, build wealth. Thanks for standing up. Well, round of applause <laughs> to you for reminding me where the hell I'll I tell you though, the only, thing, the only thing I'm worried about though, right. Is if, Thank you know, you. obviously I'm, I'm hoping that president Trump loses. And the only thing that would actually be really beneficial though, is if someone from an even farther, extreme because i don't even like calling president trump the far right because i just i don't think that he even embodies right-wing ideals and politics um he doesn't he does he he, he's he's, he is and he's he's hijacked the party and and we've been more than happy to be hijacked a lot somewhere i left but some have been more than happy to be hijacked so but we need someone who is like him to actually pull votes from him because what I'm worried about is that we're going to end up with a with a primary of Weld, Kasich and Flake um, against President Trump and all of the moderate, you know, center right votes are going to get split up between those three without anyone making me able to make a real concentrated move towards President Trump. So in my opinion, hey, Bill Weld is the first one, first moderate to come forward. So Kasich, Flake, you waited too long. Everyone throw your weight behind Weld. I was going to say Flake. If he was going to do anything, I think he needed to go ahead and do it. Kasich, I think is 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 already and also ran. I mean, he's not a, you know, and he's he's been very uh, vocal over the last few years, and I kind of applaud him for that, I guess. But absolutely, uh, I do. You know, um, I I just don't, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't I, I I think this Weld guy maybe has a shot. I think I mean it, it it all depends. The reason that I think Weld has a shot over not a shot. I mean, I don't think he's got a real chance of winning. But I mean, you know, if there maybe in a miraculous world you needed somebody like that who comes out of nowhere, right? You need a Barack Obama. Uh you need a two thousand seven Barack Obama type. Maybe a more of a Bernie Sanders type in this case. Well, yeah, but Bernie didn't win. So, you know, uh, the reason I use the Obama thing is that, you know, everybody, again, 2006, 2000s, everybody just assumed, you know, Hillary was going to get the 2008 nomination. True. 
And then here comes, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's why the whole Bernie, Bernie bro, everybody getting all upset with the Bernie stuff and hollering and shouting and whatnot. And like, oh my God, the Clinton machine and everybody just falling in line with the Clintons and blah, 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 blah. What? Like, right. Like in 2008 when she got beat. Yeah. When the Clinton machine was arguably way more powerful than they were in 2016 because she was still a sitting senator. And, and, and had, and, and it was only eight years removed from Bill being in office and everything. And, and, and everybody said the same thing and, oh my God, the super delegates and, oh my God, they're going to prevent it and yada, yada, yada. And well, you know, woman didn't win then. So, you know, come crying to me about that. But anyway, the need, you know, I, we I need Bill reason, Well and we need to recruit like Alex idea. Jones to run for the Republican primary. <laughs> That's the way what? to do it. That's the way you do it. That way you got you got the Trump vote divided between Jones and Alex Trump, Jones. right? Yeah, you're going to split the Trump vote. <laughs> Bill Weld comes out the winner. You oh, heard it here God. first. <laughs> Alex Jones. All right. Fair enough. Nice. Anyway, moving on. We got a lot of little stuff we're going to try to talk about. One thing I want to make sure we get to, how are your taxes going? Um... Man, fine. I mean, I'm you know I, I'm ridiculous, and so my my incomes just come from from everywhere. What you're talking about, and I don't really even have an income right now, hardly to speak of. So, because um, I'm doing missionary work and fundraising and all that sorts of things, and apparently I suck at fundraising. So I I'm not my 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 refund was big last year. It was big this year. You know, uh, so I know everyone's up in arms about their refunds are lower. You know, it, it, it we do, we do, there, there's, to me, there's two parts to this issue. And everyone's a little bit right and a little bit wrong. So, yes, your refund for a lot of folks is lower because the way they did the withholdings was different. And this wasn't well communicated. And even if it is well communicated, it's still hard to get people to actually take the time to go back and look at their withholdings and see what's being, you know, what's being done. Uh, so that they can fix it. Um, so that you, you've got that aspect to it. So it's, you know, but people aren't acknowledging the fact that the people who are upset with the people who are angry about their refunds and saying, well, your taxes aren't different. You have to look at how much more you got throughout the year. They're, they're blocking out the fact that just the vast majority of Americans aren't good at saving money. And so the refund becomes almost a, a way of saving money for them. And they get this big chunk and they've come to depend on it as a way to sort of restart their financial situation each year. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, before everyone gets up in arms and saying that, oh, this, the, this, these tax cuts actually stole money from us because they are refunds are lower. Well, if you're looking at the way the taxes work, you, you may have actually gotten more money it's just that it was spread out over the course of all of 2018 rather than getting it all in a big chunk at the start of 2019 yeah 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 no no awesome just no no no. balance just no just a lot of no i mean just no for one thing paul ryan you owe me a car payment or nine i mean i'm just saying because, well, you know what? I don't know. Paul Paul Ryan is from Wisconsin, and I hear I'm sure everything's cheaper up there, right? You know, because they've they've got Republicans that run things, 
And uh, so I'm, I'm sure that most car payments are in the $20 to $30 a month range. So let's just start there. So my tax return last year was $1,400. And this year, my salary didn't change. My job didn't change. My house didn't change. Nothing changed, actually. I did refinance my house, which means that I should have been able to deduct some costage few other things that I couldn't deduct that might have actually made my my thing go up if everything was the same. So my tax return last year was $1,400. My tax return this year is going to be about $280. So $1,400 minus $280 makes for a difference of... That makes for a difference of about... $1,120. So I am paid on a biweekly basis. And my the difference in my paychecks was $26 from before Big Papa and his tax return thing uh, and, and, and his tax bill. So if we do the math, 26 and I receive 26 paychecks a year times $26, that is Hmm, six hundred and seventy-six dollars. So, hmm, we take the eleven hundred and twenty dollars and we subtract the six hundred and seventy-six dollars, and we have a difference of four hundred and forty-four dollars. That less that I am bringing in between my tax return and what I got withheld every year. Hmm. So, or every paycheck. So, that's is an extra 450 bucks that Uncle Sam managed to get from me this year. Combine that with Jeff Bezos and Amazon, who didn't pay any corporate income tax last year. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I like that. Uh, yes, that makes perfect sense. I will vote for your bill, Paul Ryan. All right. All right. So, one, you, you win, right? You went through, you did the math. Hey, you're absolutely correct, right? Government then... Obviously, the tax cuts like like you're right. Can't argue with that. You win. You win that one. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of a lot of the tax bill anyway, so I'm not going to spend too much time trying to defend it. Um, so yeah, no, you're right. You just you just defeated the whole argument that that side has put out that well, you actually got more if you look at how your taxes changed over the course of all of 2018. So good job, you. Argument one. I do not subscribe to the Amazon argument. However, um, that is, I am Jeff Bezos paid plenty of taxes because that's talking about his personal income. I am always going to be a fan for any time that we can cutting businesses a break. I don't mind businesses paying as little taxes as possible. Because businesses are good for America, they're good for the, they're good for jobs, they're good for people. I love Amazon, uh, so I, I I am not bothered by how little they paid in taxes. Only time will I will start to be bothered, and this isn't connected with their taxes, is just we have to we need stronger enforcement of our antitrust laws. So if you have a company like Amazon that is potentially getting too big then that needs we need to take a close look at that from a competition standpoint 
but I don't have any problem with finding ways to relieve uh, companies of, of taxes. But also, let's be real clear here that Amazon paid tons of money in taxes. The only thing that they did, what they were... Yeah, they, just not in corporate income taxes. That's an important point. That's, yeah. In every one of these articles that you're seeing that, that throw that big goose egg up to say Amazon paid zero in taxes, that's corporate income. Correct. Tax. It is not payroll taxes. It's not... Which they paid a... Uh, Paying it, paying it, paying into, paying into Medicaid or paying into Medicare, paying into Social Security, all this other stuff that, you know, these these other types of taxes. We're strictly talking about corporate income taxes. Correct. And yes, they had a zero dollar in corporate income tax bill. That's, that's true. Yeah. So you, you make, yeah, that, that's, that's an enormous thing that just gets left out. The, the amount of money, I mean, the amount of money, money that Bubba's paid in payroll taxes to me every year was, that I had to pay in payroll taxes was just staggering for me. So I can't even imagine a company the size of Amazon and how much they shell out in payroll taxes. So there we go. Yeah. No, good yeah. tax talk. I mean, that's, yeah, good, good, yeah, good, good, good talk. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't know. There's so much, just so many little things on this list. Let, let's talk on Venezuela. Don't skip so, Venezuela. We we've yet okay, to talk about. All right, that. we won't. We won't. We, skip, we skip Venezuela last time. So you 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 you're, you're talk talk to me about Venezuela. What 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 what's what's happening down there? What, so what's, Venezuela what's has been on a horrid downhill spiral. Um, for, for years, for several, for several years, now, several years. Right. right? And, and let's not forget, right. Cause there can be this idea that, well, when Chavez was in power, everything was fine. No, this is, you know, Chavez was a socialist dictator who hijacked the country, uh, and who did a lot of damage to it. He was part of, uh, this whole oil ocracy, oil sort of thing, right. Where they had all this money in oil rather than being responsible with that money, uh, he used it to uh, get money to his power base so that he wouldn't lose power. And then when oil tanked, it coincided with about the same time that he sadly got, uh, he said he died. Uh, I can't remember what he passed away from. Um, and Maduro takes power. And now Maduro is enormously incompetent and doesn't have this massive wealth of oil money uh, to prop up his regime. And so Venezuela has just plummeted to the ranks of a failed state, uh, has done just catastrophic damage to not only his country, but is also bleeding over into other countries. My wife is from Ecuador. We spent a lot of time there. There is a massive number of Venezuelan refugees in Ecuador as well as in Colombia and it's helping to destabilize the entire region and now you've got uh, a situation where he basically just blatantly um, stole an election and so much so to the point that now the assembly which is like their version of Congress uh, has declared that the presidency was vacant and Juan Guaido did not seize power. That's what I hear. I get very frustrated because I hear people on the, the left side of the political spectrum 
uh, and they're they're trying to draw analogies to what's going on there to other instances where the United States has sponsored coups and this sort of thing. This is not a coup. This is a government institution doing exactly what it is supposed to do. This assembly, because the, the, the presidency had been vacated, they nominated a president, which is what they are supposed to do. That is the job of that assembly. And Wang Guaido, at great risk to his family and his own life, has boldly stated that he is the president of Venezuela. And he absolutely is. And I cannot applaud President Trump and our government enough for being brave enough to step forward uh, as the very first country to acknowledge his presidency. Something that now the vast majority of Latin American countries have done, as well as the vast majority of European countries has done. And our government is absolutely in the right to loudly declare to Maduro that if any military action is used against Guaido and against his followers, then military options are not off the table. Because I guarantee you that is the only thing keeping Guaido and his people safe. So who's actually running things down there right now? Well, so that's one of the issues with Venezuela is that there, there is no running of anything, right? This is, this is basically a failed state at this point. Uh, as far as who is actually sitting in the president's house and sitting in, you know, running sort of day-to-day stuff, that's, that's President... Uh, ex-president Maduro because um, Juan Guaido just doesn't have access to all of these sorts of things. Uh, most importantly, Maduro still has the backing of the military, at least the military brass. At this point, it's questionable if Maduro and the brass said fire on those protesters, whether or not the army actually would do it like the, the day-to-day soldiers. Um, so for as much as there is running of things in that country, Maduro is currently running things and he's he, he's playing the long game, right? He's, he's learned from others mistakes and he knows that if he can just hold on long enough uh, so that the rest of the world gets bored and stops paying attention, then eventually he can outlast Guaido. And that is that's the big worry is that in the end, he'll simply outlast him and Venezuela will continue to plummet. How big of a deal is it? Like in, in the scheme of in the grand scheme of world, the world stage, right? You know, I think everybody agrees that like an unstable Russia is a bad thing. An unstable Iran would be a bad thing. You know, the the, the sort of the devil you know theory of 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 international affairs. How how catastrophic is an unstable Venezuela? Well, it's been catastrophic, right? It, this isn't a sudden, oh, it's unstable. It, it's been unstable. And this has had, um, obviously, horrible effects for the people of Venezuela and has started to have yeah, bad clearly. effects for people surrounding it. Now, Venezuela doesn't have some uber-strong military. There's not a fear of nuclear weapons getting into the hands of terrorists and that sort of thing if Venezuela fails, right? That, that's why Russia as a failed state would be terrifying. You know, this idea that suddenly 
terrorist parties could get a hold of those or unstable militias could get a hold of those weapons. Um, if Iran became a legitimate failed state of some kind that all of their weaponry could get in the hands of terrorists. So we, we, that that's a whole nother level. And obviously Venezuela isn't there, but the, the saddest thing about Venezuela is that it's also enormously more fixable. If Maduro, if they are just able to get Maduro peacefully out of office, then they have the the government infrastructure for Guaido to come in and restore order. And it would be, you know, it would be a long haul, but with aid and assistance from South America and the United States, it's entirely reasonable to believe that they would be able to um, recover fairly, relatively quickly. Well, so, I mean, apart from what we're doing, you know, which is, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, you know, standing up is, I, I, but I mean, I kind of feel like standing up is, I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it's a good thing that we're standing up to him, but beyond standing up and doing what we're doing now, is there anything more that we can do that we should do? No, because I mean we're not at the point yet, right? Where we we can't go in militarily right now. You know, no one is firing on civilians. No genocide is happening. Nothing of that nature. But I think the the administration is absolutely right to have, have drawn a line in the sand. Right. And if okay. Maduro breaks that line, then we have to follow through. We cannot do. We cannot draw lines, and then let people cross them. So we've decided to draw that line. I think it was the correct line to draw, and we have to be prepared to follow through if it gets broken. All right, cool. Well, fair enough. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know that I can contribute that much to that. I mean, I. I don't. I don't disagree with any of these things. You. You know quite a lot about South American affairs. I think a lot of it. You know. Uh, you know. I, I think that's a, a nice little sideline to the fact that you're. Right, I mean that's where my family wife is, is South American, so, you yeah. know. So that's where you have you have you have, your in laws are down there. So that that gives you a, a very unique perspective. So, but I, uh, you know, I mean, I like I said, I'm I, I'm glad that you know that we're standing up. I don't know that there is anything more that we can do. I I do think that I think it's interesting that the the Venezuelan thing has suddenly become a new boogeyman, you know, for a lot of people on the right, because I, I, I've seen a couple of snippets of Fox and friends the last couple of days that the, the, the comparing what will happen if Bernie Sanders wins to that, that, that the U S will be the new Venezuela. If, uh, if, if we elect a president Bernie Sanders, which absolutely cracks me up, but, um, well, okay. It's, it's a crack up, <laughs> but Right, I, I'm oh, going to throw that butt out there. Do. That I mean, oh, God. you look at you look at what Chavez did. Right, Chavez got power legitimately. Right, he won an election, and then the institutions of the government got degraded, and they started to institute more and more socialistic policies. Most importantly, the taking over of private enterprises and making them government-owned enterprises. And you just had this slippery slope. So we've seen already in the United States the damage of our institutions, right? 
slowly getting eroded by, I would argue, mostly by President Trump. And now what? So then now we see the response of this, right? This rise of millennial socialism and a call for more state intervention into private enterprises so I'm not well, willing but, but, to I'm yeah, not willing to say no, we're gonna go I'm, down no, the path of Venezuela no. or anything like that. I'm not willing to say that and there's no need to be screaming terror and boogeymans and these sorts of things. but we are flirting with things that make me nervous. Less nervous than no. right now President Trump is a big part of what makes me nervous, right He's a he's, he's, he's part of all of this. but the response, if it is, if the response is an extreme left state government control of things, rather than a push for a return to the robust free trade globalization, private enterprise market driven path that I think is what is best for our country and for the world, I think it, I think it can get dangerous. But that's not no. That that's that is to to do that is to do. But see that is that is a perfectly that is a perfectly succinct, reasonable explanation for Fox News's bullshit. <laughs> that is taking the hyperbole out of the same load of crap and dressing it up in in reasonable terms. It is still the same load of crap because this is not about to look at, my, at the millennial response. These ideas about socialism and quote what Bernie has put out there. Bernie's ideas and the things that he's discussing, one would never fly. The odds that Bernie Sanders becomes the next president, I think, are very, very slim, extraordinarily slim. You talk about what's in the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is not going to be law. It won't happen. The Green New Deal, as it is written today, will never pass. It's not going to happen. And it does have a lot of ideas that are out that are a little out there. But what people are missing is the bottom line of a lot of these things, which is that there are problems that have existed for generations that an entire generation of people in the baby boom completely abdicated and refused to fix, refused to look at the healthcare crisis years ago when it started back in the 70s and 80s and ignored it completely. They refused to really take a hard look at the problems that we were having with immigration. They refused to take a really hard look at the problems that we were going to face eventually with the solvency of Social Security. They refused to take a really hard look at where to draw the line with capitalism and with, because there are limits. You cannot have an essential function like healthcare, be completely capitalistic. I'm not saying you can't make money off it, but if you leave it to where it is completely based on capitalism, then you have a $375,000 price tag on drugs. How is this okay? Why is it such a bad thing to look at that and go, we need to find a way to fix that. We need to find a way to bring that down. 
And the extreme end of that is that the government just takes the whole thing over. No one really wants that. But the only reason they think they want it is because all of these other problems that are there that exist. There is an entire half of this country in the Republican Party that refuses to even acknowledge that these are problems, that they need to be fixed, like climate change. I'm not necessarily saying that we need to look at everything, but that we need to just completely knock out businesses. But to say that to support things like wind and solar energy are immediately social things have to be socialism policies and must be demonized right away and kicked out. We're going back to call fuck you. That's not an attitude. And to look at that and to say, you know what? We want to look at the things that are in the Green New Deal that are good, positive things that try to address the problems that we know are coming. And to say that they are just purely socialistic and chuck them out the window is 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 short-sighted, it is fear-mongering, and, it is, and it's not just fear-mongering, it's fear. It is proof to me that all these people are just a bunch of pussies that don't want to actually look at the problems that we need to fix and address them. They just want to bury their head in the sands, pretend they don't exist, and go, you know what, everything was fine in the 50s. This is not acknowledging that we have problems. And to just say that, well, you know, you run, we can't really run the risk on Bernie because we might be socialists and, you know, we might be Venezuela in four years. Come on. That's, that, that's, that's just, that's, that's short-sighted. Hey, I it's, don't think that I said anything in my reasoned explanation of bullshit. At the, I don't know if that was your, Fox your News exact bullshit. phrase. There we go. I don't think I said anything in there uh, about latching on to the healthcare issue as, oh, instant, like, yes, that's it. Because you are, you are completely correct, right? This idea that, oh, socialized medicine is what's coming and it's all over and all this. No, I'm, I'm not sponsoring that. I'm not agreeing with that. I'm not agreeing with the idea that, you know, just by trying to address climate change, that, oh, socialism, this is horrible, Venezuela. No, absolutely not. All I was highlighting is that when you take everything that President Trump is doing and the degradation of our institutions, if we go too far to the left with our response then that could start to get dangerous. Now, my idea of too far to the left is probably way different from some, than the, is obviously way different from Fox News, right? You're talking to the guy who's pro-universal basic, basic income. I am pro a carbon tax, which is not that far to the left. Thank you very much. ExxonMobil sponsors that as well, just so we're all clear. Uh, and I'm also very much pro, we, we have to address the healthcare situation. It was broken before Obamacare. And so when you talk about going back to what it was, you're going back to a completely broken system. So, so no, not at all. I, I, I'm not doing what it is that you're saying I'm doing. Now, other people do do that and they are wrong to do that. Absolutely. Because I would argue that the, the thing about it is, is that let's pretend for a second that we did, because this is where what the Republicans have done to themselves over the last 10 years is so dangerous, because the thing about it is, is that if let's just pretend for a second that we do elect Bernie, I'll, I'll follow, I'll, 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 I'll go jumping down that rabbit hole for a little bit and say, OK, 20, January 2021, we're inaugurating President Bernie Sanders after we're done 
picking up the rubble from what's left of the Fox News building after everyone on Fox and Friends spontaneously combusted. And we've inaugurated the man. We need a healthy Republican Party, a responsible Republican Party that will step back and go, you know what, Bernie? All right. Love you. But this socialism crap completely is not going to fly. But what we will do is let's sit down and talk about this pricing and try to really sort this thing out. Absolutely. That's exactly what we need. And I love Bernie that's Sanders. Why, that's why Just so we're clear. we have to, because, the, because I think Sanders is the kind of guy who would actually be receptive to that. I think he would be. Yeah. Bernie's a pro man. I, I like Bernie. I, I completely disagree with a lot of the stuff that he puts out there. But no, I, I, I do too. Yeah, but no, I, Ber- I, Bernie's a pro. I, too. I would not mind President Bernie Sanders. This this would not this would not bother me. But the key to a successful President Bernie Sanders is a healthy opposition. This is very correct. But and that's now in fairness that that that's key to any presidency, right? Is is a healthy opposition as well as a healthy group that's in power. Right. So no one is willing to run roughshod over the other and that the other side is willing to negotiate in good faith. So fingers crossed, America. Which gets back which which gets back to why I think Mitch McConnell in and of himself and his effective theory that it is not about being a healthy opposition. It is about winning. That's not a healthy opposition. Unfortunately, I have never met the man. I have not had the that pleasure. I haven't gotten to spend that time with him. In general, what he seems to put out there, I am unimpressed with. I I did not I did not like the direction that he took our party when we were in the minority. I haven't enjoyed the direction he's taken the party while it's been in control. I did not enjoy for a minute the um, the direction that he he took the fight with the Supreme Court. Um, yeah, so. I hope I get to meet him and have a beer with him someday so I can maybe understand <laughs> maybe understand a little bit better him as a person and where he's coming from. Demon spawn. Or anyway. just demon spawn. All right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Well, I you know what? I'm 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 done I'm done complaining and I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Um but uh I, I want to give a, a quick preemptive round of applause to to our Kentucky Wildcats who kicked the crap out of Tennessee on Saturday, and it was a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> God, it was. That was great. Um, that was yeah, that was great. That was, that was a good time. Anyway, uh, that's that's what I have for cool things. Why don't you take us out with something cool, man? Th- this is just the greatest the greatest thing that I've seen. This is a police officer in South Hill, uh, Virginia, uh, who goes by his name is CB Fleming. Uh, he's a 50-year veteran of the police department there. He is the stereotypical middle-aged white police officer. Um, and recently they captured him on a uh, video of him laying down on the ground uh, with his legs crossed, coloring with a couple of, couple of young girls, uh, African-American girls. Um, and the reason he was doing that is that the he came to respond to a gas leak and he got to talking with the mother and the mother explained to him that uh, her kids were a little bit scared of police officers. So he just went over there, laid down, started asking them about 
uh, their likes and dislikes and started coloring on the sidewalk with them. And even better, that wasn't a one-time thing. Apparently, this guy has a long history of doing exactly that sort of thing. And it just happened to get caught on video this one time. So, God bless him for taking real action to address the divide, the, the sad divide that sometimes exists right now uh, between our minority communities and our police officers. I I had I had heard nothing about that. That's a that's a that, that's a great story. Um, yeah. yeah, sometimes that's Yahoo cool. News comes. I know through. I I know I. Yeah, I know, right? I you know what I I know we said we weren't going to elaborate on these anymore, but I um, you know I I I work with police officers every day. I don't uh, I don't really talk much about my job. I have a government job. I work in IT, and and one of the things I do is is I work with public safety folks and. Uh, I spend a lot of time working with, with police officers and firefighters and, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to get on a thing here, you know, because I know that this is a touchy subject for a lot of folks, but I, I have, I have to say this. I, some of the most dedicated people I know work in, in public safety and their only goal when they get up in the morning is to, is, is to keep people safe. And I, I have met some amazing people in the time that I've been doing this job. And so many of them are, are police officers. Uh, and it, you know, it's just, it's, and I know that a lot of them are saddened by what, what's happened. And I just, you know, I don't know of all the things that I really wish we could find a way to sort out. That's one of them, you know, cause it's such a shame the way that, that this has gone down. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's a shame. And I'm glad to hear, glad to hear a story like that. That's a nice way to, nice way to wrap it up. So anyhow, well, that's, I got nothing, nothing else. else. It's been you. real. It's been great. Thanks everybody. All right. Fantastic. It has outstanding. Thanks for listening.